And welcome to another rousing round of The, the Dice, Dice Are Screaming. Mother. Now, once again, you join us on a Friday edition, so hopefully your weekend's full of all kinds of gaming fun. you got stuff planned. And if you don't, well, you know, you can listen to us and hopefully we'll keep you entertained for a quick minute or two. Yeah, post-holiday season, I'm headed back to the table Saturday uh, and Sunday. Uh, Saturday as a player, Sunday back as a DM. Yeah. So it's uh, we've been looking forward to this. Uh, that holiday rush really took the, the wind out of our gaming sails for a while, just because people had events. Yeah. But speaking of people and events, uh, let's throw some shout-outs. Yeah. Um, we really appreciate all the likes and, of course, the listens you guys give to us. So please keep that going. And remember to support your Anchor Pod family. And saying that, playing it wrong. Chuck Doran, thanks a lot, man. You're always uh, giving us likes and claps and shouts out. Out. Yeah. So we really appreciate that, man. Keep it up. But we also have uh, Larry Hamilton and Tim Short. Some call-ins. Yeah, that's right. It's our favorite type. Call-ins. Call-ins. We need some music for that. (laughs) So, uh, Can you get me some music, Paul? Oh, yeah. (laughs) We do need our own in-house band. Would that we did. Although I don't think we could afford the world's most dangerous band. Uh, We would have to settle for the world's most inept band. Yes. Uh, You know, maybe armpit farts and (laughs) maracas. (laughs) Uh, Maracas. <laughs> yeah. We got some uh, drum sets around here somewhere. So anyway. Oh yeah, rim shot. Anyway, let's get to the call-ins. First is going to be follow me and die, Larry Hamilton. Hey fellas, this is Larry with Follow Me and Die. Thanks for the shout out. Uh, you guys mentioned you're in Michigan. Uh, whereabouts? I'm over in. Southwest Michigan near Kalamazoo. So uh, I usually go to Marmalade Dog in uh, Kalamazoo and uh, Yukon over by Ann Arbor. And uh, not this year, but last year I went to Grand Con. So uh, those are where you find me if you're not over in this area. So uh, enjoyed your podcast on traps and uh, the others I've listened to so far. Keep up the good work. All right, Larry, thanks a lot for that. And, yeah, we are in Battle Creek right here in southwest lower Michigan. Yes, here in the creek. Uh, I have never actually been to Yukon. However, we have done Marmalade Dog from time to time. Uh, mm-hmm. Usually, and uh, I think my favorite time was when we brought an entire herd of very recent gamers uh, who had just been new to the game, you know, a year or two in the saddle uh, and brought them along to their first con. Uh, and it was just the right size. That is the great thing about Marmalade Dog, is it is very approachable. You know, uh, if, yeah. if you're a local in southwest Michigan, uh, it is not intimidating like making a out-of-state trip or having to stay overnight. You know, it's something that uh, newbies could get to and have a great time. Uh, and I've always, I have always thought highly of Marmalade Dog, and I'm glad it's still around. Uh, yeah, we don't, I think it's the last time we were up in Grand Rapids, it was at Fuzzy Fest, on, I think they changed the name to Grand Con, I'm not 100% sure on that, but yeah, man, if you're ever in Battle Creek, look us up at uh, Perfect Storm Comics and Gaming, 
Oh yeah, we are the uh, uh, among the house regulars. There are now several shifts uh, at different tables, um, including well, there's the wargaming groups that uh, you know frequently occupy the upstairs, uh, and the uh, RPG players tend to take to the basement uh, and occupy some of the larger you know uh, they they actually have to assemble multiple tables usually to yeah. accommodate. <laughs> it's gotten it's gotten quite big since the old days when hardly anybody was there and we were yeah. rattling around like peas in a pod. Oh yeah. But yeah, thanks for that, uh Larry. Glad you enjoy our episodes and of course uh we've been starting to keep up with yours and really enjoy what you're doing. So keep it up and everybody uh go to follow me and die and listen to Larry Hamilton and uh of course we're gonna move on to our next one. This is from Tim Short at Gothshire Matter. Hey guys, Tim Shores from Gothridge Manor here. Uh, just finished listening to the Traps cast that you guys just did. Uh, Got to catch up with the rest of them there. Uh, interesting. Traps is always one of kind of had a tricky relationship with. Uh, I tend to go for more of the primitive traps, I think. Um, some magical traps, uh, but I kind of go for the, I guess, Ewok version of traps a lot of times. Gives the players chance to kind of figure things out because I because I like to have to know have some mechanical basis or you know physics basic with it so that way when the the players you know want to try to disarm it we can kind of figure it out and see how they can jam it up which is a lot of fun uh so hey guys great podcast I'll be catching up with some other ones so I might be calling on later episodes too so hey take care and uh we'll talk to you soon Ah, yeah, thanks, Tim, and uh, my apologies, that's Gothridge Manor. Sorry, I don't know how the shire crept <laughs> in there. Hobbits on the brain, man. But yeah, uh, Ewok-style traps, uh, those are, like, one, they're super visible. People can, uh, you know, they can put their hands on them, you yeah. know. It, it's not obscured by stonework and impossible to detect or, or explain. Uh, and, you know, like, like we had mentioned, that. Uh, that is a handy tip for DMs, too. Uh, have some idea of how your traps work uh, yep. before you make use of them. Uh, because you may be called upon to explain them, and I, I, I will encourage people to use DM Fiat and say, you know, uh, it's a trap, and, you know, explanation will not change your role. Uh, <laughs> but I'm just going to stand here until I detect this trap. You tell me when that happens. Ah, uh, Jolly Blackburn. Yep. Knights of the dinner table. Outstanding stuff. Uh, and, you know, he perfectly captures the microcosm of the player versus DM dynamic, uh, which is you you are at odds with your players, and traps are one of those tough moments for Both adjudication. friend and foe is the DM. Yeah. Uh, a, a more stalwart ally or a more hideous enemy you cannot find. No. And yeah, trap adju- adjudication is tricky. And, uh, you know, however you do it, you know, make sure that, you know, if your players are looking for clues, you're doing it right, man. So thanks again, Tim. And of course, everybody listen to Goth Ridge Manor. I got it right. So thanks, Tim. <laughs> Hopefully, you don't hold that too much against us. So sorry about this. We just kind of just do it on one take and we just let it roll where it may. Yeah. As is our habit. And speaking of letting it roll where it may, uh, you know, we're 
Uh, time to borrow my usual phrase again. Uh, it's today we're opening the kimono. Uh, oh no, not and, again. And performing calisthenics. Avert your eyes, avert your eyes while you can. Uh, He's doing jumping jacks. He's on the table. <laughs> uh, not even winded yet. Uh, no, we're doing something. We're going to break our usual format. We usually pick uh, a you know specific topic, and you know we we cover it in a kind of meta fashion where uh, we're we're just hitting the big notes. You know, yeah. we're, we're striking the big power chords, seventies style. Yeah, we're uh, and we're letting you guys fill in the details because we're just two boneheads. We're not coming off as authoritative that there's a certain way to play. Yeah, you're having fun. You're doing it right. Yeah. If if everybody walks away from the table having had a good day, then you won, and you our approval is neither needed nor you know, required. So, yeah. uh, but we're breaking the format today. Gonna go outside the box. Oh, uh, I'm scared. What's in the box? Uh, today we're going to do DM confessions. <gasps> yeah. Because... I don't want to do this. Uh, I know. I know. It's been so long. Uh, oh. yeah. <laughs> it says, as DMs, at some point or another, it is simply true that you're going to do something that you do not look back on with pride. And we have titled these DM Sins. Yes, DM Sins. <laughs> Uh, now, mind you, these are venal sins, and, uh, you know, perhaps, uh, after having revealed them all, uh, we will accept our sentence to DM Purgatory, where, like, the, the soda is always off-brand, uh, but... The pizza's soggy. Yeah. These are not mortal sins, uh, the kind of thing where, you know, like, the dice are eternally just out of reach, and... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, or you've got a you know, roll an entire 80-pound uh, backpack full of game books up a hill endlessly. Or <laughs> the only refreshments at the table are not just off-brand sodas, but cheap Walmart brand sodas. Uh, and candy bars are Zagnuts. Yeah, yeah. The, the only available candy is Zagnuts. Uh, All right. So I'm going to start it out here. Letter rip, man. It just, I, I applaud right. your courage. In the name of Gygax and Arneson, I bring my sins to confession. It has been three months since my last confession. So I'll start out that I have made a die roll roll a crit when there was no crit. And that is my first sin. And in defense, sometimes you got to throw players a curveball. And that's part of your DM fiat. Although, budging the dice is kind of one of those things. Making a player suffer a crit. Yeah, if you use a critical hit system, or, you know, you have extra damage, whatever it is, you know, making them suffer is sometimes appropriate. And in my defense, if players are just having a streak of really good luck, I'll let them roll with it. But every once in a while, I don't let them get off scot-free. So... Every once in a while, just to heighten the tension, I'll throw a crit in there, just because. So, so this was, you know, motivated by the desire to add a challenge to a session that was going incredibly well for the yeah. players. Okay. So this wasn't like they're down on their luck, you know. They're, they're just no. Like, oh, I'm here on the street corner. See, that would be a mortal sin. See, that, you know, if it, 
If it were done for cruelty at a moment when they are at their lowest low and you just decide to kick them while they're down, that would be more. But yeah. but no, this is venal. I absolve thee. Yeah, they were guy gag scenarios. Thank you. Oh, well. You have anything to confess? Oh, well, yeah, my turn. Um, <laughs> oh, and this is one that I, I, I cannot lightly defend. Uh, Arneson and Gygax, forgive me. It's been months since my last confession as a DM. I misadjudicated a magic spell, and it resulted in a player fatality. Uh, and at the time, I did not know that I had misadjudicated it. However, after it was resolved and the player was busy creating a new character, I became aware that I had failed to account for something and that their character would have lived. And I am guilty as charged. I, uh, <laughs> I can't actually lightly defend that. I did not reveal that I had failed. I let it stand. Uh, and it was nothing but pure pride. I, right. I just said, well, you know, they accepted it well. Uh, they took it as the breaks of the game. It was not an unusual circumstance. Uh, it was a glorious death in combat, you know, fighting for their lives. And they were not dissatisfied with the end result. So I just thought, you know, hey, why rock the boat? Now, had I killed them for just sheer malice, uh, had I knowingly at the beginning understood that the rule did not work that way, perhaps that would be a mortal, mortal sin. sin. I, 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 you didn't do it out of pure malice. It was just simple ignorance. And that's part of DMing right there is that you're absolved. Because part of DMing is learning from your mistakes. And sometimes just letting it stand, especially after the player's already engaged in making a new character, eh, let's let water flow under the bridge. Yeah, it totally happened. Oh, I'm, I'm glad that I stand absolved. Yes, you will not suffer. I'm happy to have that one off my chest. Yeah, um, I think a dice cleansing and a thorough reading of Appendix N <laughs> will uh, be more than sufficient penance. And on that note, my confession, my next one is, after packing my bags and a long session of preparation, pre-game, sorting my notes and rereading parts of the module that I had picked for that session, I then packed my bags and left, only to discover and arriving to the game table that I had forgotten my module. And not wanting to admit that I had forgotten something after excoriating my players earlier about having all their materials and ducks in a row coming to the table ready to play. I sat down, put up my screen, and from the best of my memory, started to run the module. And I had no stats, I had nothing but my memory, and adjudicated everything on the fly, and no one ever knew. That is my sin. Ah, uh, you winged it. Which, hey, you know, as sins go, I mean, it is venal, it is not mortal. Uh, because everybody came away from the table having had a good time. Uh, you know, what was the real harm that was done there? Not a bit. Uh, you know, little 
little moment of hypocrisy. You know, the, the DM has a responsibility to encourage players to do the right things and come ready and be ready to play and participate correctly. So you have the responsibility hanging over your head to say that to them. But you're also a human being who slips up now and again. So, you know, it's, yes, it's I, tough I to wear both hats. I absolve thee. Oh, thank you. Uh, this brings me to my own fudged die rolls. Um, I consider that a venal sin. Uh, I have done much like the uh, first sin uh, that we discussed. I have occasionally fudged a die roll so that the combat would be a little more bracing. Uh, but I have also fudged a die roll when I really didn't want a character to die in an ignoble and ridiculous fashion. I, I don't feel that that was in keeping with high fantasy and with a long-running campaign. It seemed tragic and ridiculous for a single die roll to wipe out all that they had achieved at that point. The dice had dictated that today that character was going to be gone, and although I, I really restrain myself with die rolls, I do not like to, to fudge, I did it anyway. Well, you did it out of the intention of keeping your campaign going and furthering player interest rather than adhering to a ridiculous die roll. In other words, you had taken control of your campaign and decided where and when the dice would affect the outcomes appropriately. Not just for mere whimsy. Not out of cruelty or malice. So I absolve you. Uh, In the I name think... of Gygax and Arneson, you are worthy <laughs> of the title Dungeon Master. Well, we do what we can. Uh, you know, I... I did not intend to just run the game based on my whims. I am a strong advocate for dice, but even I broke my own code. Um, well, you know, I say, you know, I say it. Let the dice land where they may. Uh, but it's a hard read to live by. It's not hypocrisy to take the reins of the campaign away from the randomness of the dice and into the spirit of where the campaign is, especially one that's well run. So you're never really going to run into a mortal sin. Now, if you just let death have, where is your sting? You know, you pull it back all the time, and players are going to start to key in on it. And that's where the real problem is, is then there's no challenge. And they realize that, ah, he'll pull our fat out of the fire because he doesn't want to start over from level one again, lose all the traction that we've gained in this long session. No, don't let that get you bogged down. And that'll bring me to my next one. In spirit of that one, my next confession is that I have created a custom non-player character to thwart and even kill another player character. Perfectly balanced for one character. And that is, of course, my companion here, Mike's famed character, Barak Stormbrow, a two-handed sword wielder with girl of giant strength. Very high-level Ninth or 10th, I think, at the time. And I had a two-weapon-wielding drow female fighter with 20 dexterity and a ring of vampiric uh, regeneration. Excuse me. Duels specialized <clears throat> in the short swords. Oh. And just went to town on him like a sheep blender. Oh, man. I mean, and those twin short swords were set on puree. 
Now I did it purposely so that I would have one encounter because they literally, with a two-handed sword and a girdle of giant strength, he was literally wading through drow. Just one, two hits was the most even some of the more seasoned fighter match users were standing against. And, you know, there was multi-classing does have its drawbacks in first edition, so his fighter was basically just mowing him down like wheat, just like at harvest. And so I made a character <laughs> specifically tailored to give him a challenge. And boy, I almost killed him too. <laughs> and this was one where I took the screen down and we're rolling the dice right in front of him. Because he was wondering, how oh, she not dead, you know? I've done like over 130 points of damage. Well, she, you notice she's regenerating. Ah. Every time she hits you, she seems to heal a little bit. And that's when they figured it out. But... Yeah, and that didn't... The knowledge that that was what was happening did not help me one bit because I was still fighting a character that you know, was soaking hit points out of me uh, as fast as I could rip them off. Uh, and, I mean, I there was enough of a margin that I finally whittled uh, that, that drow down uh, by, you know, sheer force of will and a lot of two-handed sword swing blows. Yep. Well, actually, you put the two-handed sword down and went with your cutlass. Oh, did I? Yeah, you went with the cutlass and shield off your armor. I used the shield because I was trying to cut my armor class down because she was hitting me with ease. And see, we remember this from years ago because it was imprinted in our memories. That was the first time when he was galled. He was literally upset that he had figured out the amount of damage he did was more than enough to kill him. Yeah, and, and there shouldn't be anything in this building with this many hit points, dude. What's happening? And I had to come to terms with that and basically say, well, okay, she has a ring of regeneration. And more to the point, what I did was create a challenge worthy of a heroic player character without nerfing his character or sidelining him through some nonsensical rules adjudication. I actually just made a character that stopped him. So my mortal it's not a mortal sin, but it is a venial sin in the fact that I created a character specifically to challenge a specific player character with the knowledge of all of his abilities and tools that he had through his class and abilities. Yeah, I wouldn't consider it a mortal sin at all because it was a custom-designed challenge, and in many respects, that's exactly what a DM does. Might be a little harsh to, like, you know, aim some... I have named this NPC Anti-Barak. Well, pretty uh, much. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is... Yeah, her name is Stormbrow Killer. And she was getting hits on you two or three times before you even got one swing of the sword. Yeah. Because we were using the segments and weapon speeds. But we digress. Yeah, that I needed to bring the weapon speed back down, yeah, too. That was the other reason for the cutlass. And you were able to overcome it. But kudos to you for also shooing all the other player characters away from ganging up on her. It's like, no, this one is mine. I started this. I will finish it. <laughs> Which... <laughs> Just the series before that and the Giants. Uh -huh. You guys had been blasting everything with fireballs uh, and pounding everything with arrows, and I'd, I'd run up. I couldn't get a hit in edgewise. I literally spent most of the Giant series cooling my heels, uh, you know, getting in a couple of licks per fight uh, on one opponent, and I turned around and everything is dead. Uh, they got into a busy planning session in the Giants module, and we were just outside the, like, fest hall, meeting room, you know, uh, 
you know, the, the... Oh, yeah, the, the hill giant chief where he was holding his great big feast. Yeah, they had flattened every hill giant uh, we encountered before I got in there. And my pride got in my way, and I, I charged. Uh, but I did it sneaky. While they were doing their planning session, I handed in a note to the DM and said, My character walks away from the conversation quietly, takes an iron spike, opens the door to the, uh, you know, beasting throne room, closes it, and then spikes it shut behind him. <laughs> then I draw my sword and attack. <laughs> and he did wade through nearly two dozen ogres, a brace of elite hill giant guards, and the sub-chief and the hill giant chieftain. By himself, by the fifth round, we finally battered the doors down and were able to aid him. But he got some prime time with that giant sling two-handed sword. So. Yeah, thank goodness they weren't high enough level to be slinging pass walls or teleports at that point. Or I, yeah. I would never have gotten away with it for that long. Uh. <laughs> so, yeah, that 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 happened. But uh, it's your turn to... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm going to keep this one short and simple. Uh, Gygax, forgive me for this one. I passed out in mid-session as a DM, nodded off mumbling and keeled over. Uh, from sheer exhaustion, I did not get enough rest before game time. Uh, I had been pulling night shifts, and life was super complicated at that moment. And instead of doing the sensible thing and treating my players to a better quality game, even if we had to reschedule it for another time, uh, I lumped it, staggered in there half-conscious, uh, made it about two and a half, three hours in, and passed out right behind the screen. Uh, and bless their hearts. Uh, and they kind of kicked back with some sodas and, you know, chatted amongst themselves and said, Poor guy. Uh... He obviously needed the rest. Let him chill. And that's a big thing right there, is always take care of yourself, DM. You know, eat well, get yeah. rest, and if you're not, you know, call it off. Because you really are the center of the game. You're the main impetus. And if you're not at your peak or even operational efficiency, you're not going to be a good DM. So we're going to keep this up. I have other sins, yes. I have many sins, but here's just another one. I have ripped up a character sheet in front of a player without killing his character. And uh, in my defense, I was at a RPGA, and this was during the days of second edition, a dart specialist <laughs> who had cheese-weaseled, or crafted a character, I should say, with 18 over 90% strength, percentile strength, a 16 dexterity, and all his other stats were 6. He had literally created a mouth-breathing, knuckle-dragging game killer. And my first inclination that something was awry is when an ogre showed up, and they were all first level, with 23 hit points, he did over 60 points of damage. Because it was a point-blank range, and he threw six, dagger, or th six darts pardon me, around. I asked to examine his character sheet, and after seeing what I had allowed him, and of course it's RPG legal, I took his sheet out, or took his sheet from him, examined it, ripped it up into multiple pieces, proceeded to go outside, and go 
scatter it behind the dumpster and urinate on it. Now, I didn't break any uh, public laws, per se. Perhaps. <laughs> well, <laughs> you weren't caught. There you go. So, perhaps that was a little big footing of me. And uh, I did receive a reprimand for it. And uh, the uh, game was moved to another table. And the player uh, was, again, allowed to recreate his character such as it was. But uh, I don't think he quite played it the same way again. <laughs> so that is my sin, and my advice is don't do that, but sometimes you have to say, especially with some of the... If somebody brings a broken character to your table and you see it in play, don't be afraid if they don't listen to the kind admonition of, I don't think this is appropriate for this campaign. So just basically say that character is not going to live. If you have to do it with a red dragon and not ripping up the character sheet, try not to do any celebratory dances or set the character sheets on fire because I don't want to commit arson or public indecency, break any public indecency laws like I did. But that's my sin. I, I admit, uh, you know, uh, that... You know, outburst, uh, of course, uh, it, it qualifies as venal because there is a degree of provocation here. It's that uh, players know perfectly well when they're pushing the boundaries, okay? The, uh, many often protest indignantly that, what? It's totally legal. I have no idea what you're talking about. Weaseling is a fine old respected gamer tradition. You want to come into a game with a strong character. But... Uh, stealing the thunder from all other players and using loopholes in the rules creatively to create uber characters that are practically unstoppable, you know, where they're punching so far above their weight class that a DM is hamstrung uh, because you can't throw red dragons at first level characters, but this one probably does, you know, mer merits facing challenges on that scale. Uh, that is a rotten thing to put a DM in. Uh, you know, into as a position. It, it's not fair to you either. So, you know, we stand absolved. Thank you. Thank you. And to that guy who may, whoever you are, maybe you are listening to this, maybe you do remember that time up in uh, Bellevue, up at the Mason's Lodge up in there. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I'm really not. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Uh, I, moving on with my next sin, uh, this this is a tough one for anybody, I think. I, I think this is a universally difficult topic for DMs to handle. Uh, I allowed a significant disruption of game to fester. Uh, so I had a handful of players that had eventually drawn ranks. You know, they, they put their line in the sand... Uh, between them and another player. Now, when it was just a little hint of the silent treatment, I was willing to let this pass. Because honestly, I come to a game and I'm not really coming to have an argument. Uh, I'm not there to lay down the law, I'm not there to chew people out, and I'm not there to be people's dad. Uh, I was not in the mood to be a disciplinarian. And I let this fester most of the way through the game, until it blossomed into more than you know, like just snubbing and ignoring, but actively talking over uh, and interrupting the other person, just diminishing them at every turn. 
and that person was not unaware of how they were being treated. Uh, in the end, uh, the game broke up in mid-game because that person had some significantly hurt feelings and just said, you know what, screw it. I don't want to take this. I'm out. And I lectured my players afterwards. It's like, you know, look, I feel like I failed here, too. I know that this is a thing you guys did. But I honestly knew that it was happening, and I knew that it was wrong. And I should have nerfed this stage one. I should have put the foot down and said, guys, get with the team spirit, because this is not what we come to this table for, you know? Does anybody feel good about what just happened here? Does it make everybody happy? You know, we're not gaming right now. We're Dice are not rolling. Monsters aren't dying. Nobody's having a great time. Uh, so let's try to work really hard not to have this happen again, because I, I hate wearing the shame on you face. Yeah. Uh, that is not what I came to game for. But I should have intervened, because I knew where it was headed. I knew. And in a moment of sheer laziness, I just said, I don't want to deal with this now. And it, it got out of hand before long. We all game to have fun, period. And sometimes personalities at the table just do not get along. They will not mesh. And it's important to intervene early. And that, you know, we all have been there at some point in time where somebody has disagreed with either your ruling or another player's play style. It's important to work out these problems outside of the scope of the game so that they can be addressed without disrupting play or having people walk out. And that you know where you messed up and that you can improve, it's completely absolved because... Sometimes personalities conflict. It's just taking a proactive stance and not letting things get to that point is the main prevention. Which brings me to yet another one. I confess that I have killed players for no reason. And I say this not lightly. Um, I had a campaign with players who were just like in this one, very disruptive and running literally roughshod over everything I had prepared. And I engineered their demise, not out of gameplay or massive cruelty, but I just wanted to be out. And so, through the auspices of wandering monsters, I had a pack of trolls come upon them and rip them from limb to limb. <laughs> I played out seven rounds of gory, descriptive combat, how their characters were, and it, shame on me for that. I should have truly pulled back the clutch a little bit, and, you know, just kind of let it, uh, instead of five trolls, it's two. <laughs> but it happened, and it just seemed right, and I let it go. I let my own inability to come to terms with where my campaign was failing... I allowed that to just become my, this is my way out, I'm taking it, and goodbye. It and led you to the dark side. Yes, and that's a play, uh, that's the DM abuse. Not the younglings. Yep, and sometimes wandering encounters, they do happen. And this one did legitimately show me seven trolls, but I said five. I felt five was pretty good. <laughs> it was more than sufficient, as it turns out. A little bit too efficient. But, uh... Kudos to them. They uh, returned to the table 
with new characters and an attitude to go revenge against them, so I was able to absolve myself of that, but it still weighs heavily upon me. <laughs> TPKs. Oh. Now, uh, for my last sin, uh, yeah, well, the, the last one I choose to mention here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, we don't have that much time. Yeah, exactly. I, you know, I, I don't think we can make everybody strap the headphones on for the rest of the weekend. Uh, I had an item that I had written into a adventure, and it was intended to be a luckstone. Uh, and I was going to like place one wish within the reach of the party. Uh, so that they would have it as a backup. Unfortunately, there was a particular player during the treasure division stage and the, the identification and, you know, part where they navigate who gets what. Uh, there was a player who was a magic item squid. Uh, you know, their, their paws were all over the, every spare magic item possible. Uh, and my confession is, I really didn't want them to be the one carrying that wish. Um, and in that moment, I made a decision that was not by the book. I impromptu changed the load or the luckstone into a lodestone, oh, a cursed item. Uh, and I don't think any greater lesson was taught by it. I I, I don't. Uh, yeah. But you know, it might have hinted that like. Don't squid every single magical item you see. Mm -hmm. uh, but it was the frustration with, like, oh, man, this was really meant to be more of a party tool used in the spirit of generosity and passed from person to person, you know, and like a group adjudication made on, on who gets to do this. But in this person's hands, the thing that I have placed within the campaign to benefit the party will really only benefit one person. So I, I did a take back, uh, and I told no one. I, I just said... Yeah, maybe this doesn't belong in their hands. Uh, I I know that that too goes against my let the dice fall where they may. You know, if I write it, I really do try to stick to it. Right, but you're absolved because that's what the cursed items were originally put in there for, to create uncertainty. And sometimes to punish players who got too greedy. <laughs> Many is the time that old Tenzer from Gary's original Greyhawk campaign was the one who found a lot of cursed items because he was grabby paws on everything. If it glows, <laughs> I take it! And, well, he did learn, but whether or not they learned, the point is that your sin was that you changed something that was already set in stone, but you are the ultimate arbiter, and you oversee the game, and it falls within your boundaries as DM to occasionally adjust the clutch, either pushing in or changing gears. And so, that's what it's there for. You can be forgiven for that, for wanting to do out of the right thing to keep your players happy and not reward one player's greed or wheel at the dice, because we use the dice to determine treasure division. That's pretty much been that way for a long time. High roll wins, percentile dice, or die 20, you pick your poison. Which, of course, that's pretty much it. We've had a nice long session, so thank you. Yeah. We are absolved of our sins, and we hope you enjoyed us confessing our darkest moments of gaming. Yeah, and the, the whole point behind it, um, if there's a motto or a lesson or a credo to uh, put at the end of this, it's that, you know, everybody drops the ball in some way as they see it. Uh, and the important thing is to just like know that you're mortal. Know that things happen. Uh, know that 
decisions get made and they weren't the best ones. And if you know that, then you're not intimidated by the idea of thinking back and going, well, what can I do a little better next time? Uh, and if it's any comfort to anybody else out there, uh, people who have been gaming for a very long time still have these same issues. Yeah. It is it is not, you know, the, the, don't carry it like a stigma. You know, just, oh, I have failed. No, no, no. Uh, you know, failure is a part of the game. And also sometimes doing the bad things for the right reasons can work out for the best. But don't hold that too far. Yeah, but keep yourself principled, keep yourself objective as a dungeon master, and remain neutral as best as you can. But however, don't let yourself be sidelined just out of that. You are an active participant, and it is within your purview to change the game as you see fit and need to. Bada-bing. And with that, we're going to end it here. We've been going on for a while, so we're going to just end it out here with thanks for everybody for listening, and yeah. have a great weekend. And Enjoy. We'll see you next time here on The Dice Are Screaming, and may the dice, dice always roll in your favor. favor. We're out.